Welcome to this week's episode of Nostalgia. You might notice something new, fun, and different today, and that is that I have two guests instead of just one. In this case, two really is better than one. I'm very excited because I have Perry and Sophia here with me today, and they are from Butterland, and that is a creative digital marketing agency for tech startups. So we are going to talk about all things pop culture and digital marketing. We're going to touch on social media and, you know, we might even get into a little friendly competition or debate today. And thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for, thank having, you for us. having us. We're really excited. Yes, I am too. So we're going to get right into it because I think that nowadays we all kind of live on the internet. Let's be honest. We are internet children and creatures and In the past, we saw how what we did in real life impacted what we would then see on the internet. And I think that now we are at a stage where what happens on the internet, whether it's marketing or social trends or viral moments or whatever it may be, what's happening online is actually influencing us in real life now. And so I think that's super, super interesting. And we've been seeing all of these different brands pop up that have been born in the internet generation that were started by celebrities or public figures who really utilize digital marketing and the internet to push these products, to sell these products to the point where now we don't know what's real, what's not, kind of everything's real, kind of everything is not. And, you know, (laughs) right. And when people it's so, I find it so funny when people are like, oh, in Instagram versus real life. And it's like, well, I don't know about you, but the internet kind of is real life at this point. And so I wanted to hear from you guys about the few different projects that you've seen come out, especially in the skincare industry and kind of like what these have looked like and what it kind of says about the state of digital marketing and that influence and that culture uh, that's so pervasive nowadays. Totally. Yeah. I think for me, the first thing that I think of is like the fact that we've gotten to like a 13 step skincare routine. So it's like we went from the heyday of the makeup YouTubers who told you to get every single eyeshadow palette and whatever else. And then it was like, actually natural is better So we're going to do the no makeup makeup look and that instead of buying 12 eyeshadow palettes, you need to now buy an elixir and a serum and four different types of eye patches and whatever else. So I think that's kind of like a perfect example of the internet and these trends sort of telling us how, like what normal is almost like, and I think part of it that's beautiful is that I know a big part for skincare specifically is like the Korean beauty. They're really into the multiple, multiple step skincare. So it's great in the sense that there's this open world where we're now taking beauty trends from South Korea or, you know, music from South Korea. That part of it is beautiful, but I think it's, 
I don't want to say harmful, but I think it's just not real reality when, you know, every single turn, when we think we're getting close closer to a normal or a more natural reality, it's actually just another reality being sold to us by a company. Um, so there is no <laughs> escaping it kind of is how I feel. Yeah, for as much as for as much credit as we give TikTok um, for being like so real and not being aesthetic minded mm-hmm. or or, or um, driven, there's st- the same stuff's happening there too. Um, yeah. We will always continue to be sold things while we are on in a place that's leverageable to for advertising. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the thing that I think the Kim Kardashian skincare um, drop recently, like to me, that was like. Um, so transparent and i thought that like we were kind of beyond that like obviously you know you thought we were smarter than that smarter these days and they're not really that down with being sold directly like something that they know is literally just packaging and a celebrity influencer um so when i looked at you know all that stuff i was like the aesthetic i mean it's instagram like five years ago it's like stone Mm -hmm. it's it's perfect product shots it's whatever um and it's like I just feel like I thought that the that the audience I thought that Kim Kardashian's people would think that the audience were, was smarter than that but apparently um, that's not the case nothing revolutionary is happening happening there I can assure you of that um, both aesthetically <laughs> no and there's a walnut scrub please <laughs> that, we, we had we remember apricot scrubs back apricot scrub back in the day yeah, same eyes baby mm-hmm. just tearing that face up yeah um, micro tears galore <laughs> micro tears galore <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't know. I was pretty nonplussed by, by that drop. And then I think the possibly more interesting one was from Scarlett Johansson, um, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, whatever it was called the outset. Um, of course I'm like a package junkie. So I saw it and I was like, that's cute. I want that. Um, but then, you know, I was like, okay, let me, let me see what she's saying about this brand. And all of it was like, you know, I was looking for, I mean, it's the same thing you've heard from uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, it's the same thing. I was looking Mm -hmm. for a brand that could blah, blah, blah. And I just couldn't find it. So I had to create it myself. I was like, Jesus, like that is, you know, marketing 2000, uh, 2001 or whatever. Um, So that I was kind of like um, disappointed by, especially because all the ethos and, and, um, conversation that she was creating around the around the company was like yeah I know like another skincare another um celebrity doing a skincare line but this is different and here's why and I was just like wow like they're just saying they're just they're just lying it doesn't even matter at this point yeah it really doesn't matter like you want it to be you wanted to come up with a skincare line you came up with a skincare line at least just own that like okay (laughs) I'm another celebrity with an with a um a skincare line I believe in it, but that's up to you guys to decide. Or a little bit of like more of a like grounded, earthy approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and aesthetically, again, like super polished, super like, to me, it's like when every every website became Casper after Casper came out. Right. It was like mm-hmm. every skincare line is now that like stone look or like, you know, very stark product shots with like mm-hmm. a gauzy, gauzy linen um, curtain, mm-hmm. you know, like it's so boring. I'm just like, looking for a, a disruptor um, and, you know, ultimately the sad realization is like, what does disruption look like in marketing? It just looks like s- selling something another way. And even that excites wow, me, yeah. but it also <laughs> is kind of a sad reality. For me, it was when I saw Alicia Keys, that Alicia Keys had a new skincare line and I was like, well, surely 
we're not going to let this happen. Like, we're not going to let this happen, right? Like, we're not going to go back to, like, early 2000s where every single celebrity had a fragrance line from Jessica Simpson to Paris Hilton to whoever else. And it was so – I mean, back then, I was literally, like, I don't even know a, a tween. And even at that age, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, everyone has – they just will slap their name onto everything. And so now we've somehow come back to that with, with skincare and everything. Again, it's like these, these trends do just, they are just on a cycle and they do repeat. And as you said, Sophia, you would think that we're smarter now and more evolved, but we're really not. (laughs) What, did you guys have any of those perfume? Like what was your like, celebrity perfume I know I had a Lady Gaga one which I actually embarrassingly still have because I think it's (laughs) did you guys ever get like the Jessica Simpson the Paris Hilton drops do you remember how obsessed I only had juicy I had juicy couture perfume that is not that doesn't count we're not I didn't but I told you I was like really not I knew I even back then I was like no I want like the real thing sorry I I had Britney Spears okay and I have no idea why but there's curious and fantasy and one was blue and one was pink and I I get them mixed up every single time. So I'm not even going to try to remember which is which (laughs) I had the pink one and they still sell it at CVS behind the counter. I swear. (laughs) That was almost my impulse buy the last time I was at CVS. I don't know why they still have it. They do, but I'm finding that with celebrity skincare nowadays, there's really two distinct ways that you can go. One is the ScarJo way, which quick sidebar, <laughs> I always was like, why are people so obsessed with her? It was annoying because I really did never understood the appeal. And then my old office was in Milk Studios in New York City. So one mm. day, it's like a Friday afternoon, I'm getting out of work. It's like 99% humidity. I'm like hangry. I'm tired. My hair is frizzy. I'm like pissed off probably. probably, I was going to say for some reason, but it's like because I was working in corporate. Like that's why I was (laughs) pissed obviously. And then, right. And it's like, I'm going to leave. I'm like, finally, let me get out of here and just go home. And I'm like visibly agitated. And then the elevator doors open and they were these gigantic, um, what do you call them? Like service elevators essentially mm-hmm. because, you know, in that building they produced all these photo shoots and et cetera. And the doors open and Scarlett Johansson's standing right there. And I'm like, I don't – like I would – now I get it. Now I get why you everyone's got obsessed with her. She just <laughs> had this presence and she was so beautiful. And I just got in the elevator pretending that – well, first of all, I'm like, let me not be like visibly distressed yeah, right now. You got to play and it then, cool. I had to be cool. I got in the elevator and, you know, just turned around and she's behind me. I'm like, my hair is so crazy right now. Oh, my God. Like, I this out of all the days you picked to be in the elevator with me, it couldn't have been on a better day for me. So I thought that was a little inconsiderate. But other than that, I was like, I get it now. But anyway, she represents – or that business decision represents what – I like to call the like goopification of it where mm-hmm. it's like you're Gwyneth Paltrow. You talk about whether now it's in the NFT space or the skincare space or the sexual wellness space. It's like Gwyneth Paltrow has never had to fight for inclusion in literally any way ever. And mm. so that is how uh, it seems 
patronizing when she puts something out and it's like, don't worry. Like, I'm like you. It's like, you're actually really not. You, you literally <laughs> have never had a day like me ever. Right. You, you, we, we are not the same. And yeah. you know what? I'm obsessed with the 1997 movie Sliding Doors starring Gwyneth Paltrow. But um, in general, it's like the goopification can, it's like a mix between tone deafness and mm-hmm. girl boss culture, um, which has not, I wouldn't even say largely dissipated because the takedowns of female tech founders are still happening on the cover of, well, virtual cover of magazines, like still constantly. Right. But anyway, it's like, it's either that or the early 2000s, every celebrity you get a fragrance, you get a fragrance, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, everyone did that because fragrances are cash cows. And so that's oh why my God. I would love to see the margin. I'm sure you know the margins actually on fragrance. Like They're it has to be insane. insane. And you know who I think is the best example currently of this same kind of um, doing it because it's the cash cow is Rihanna. And she is – committed to her skincare line and her makeup and this and that mm-hmm. because she's like guys music makes me nothing compared to right. this right right and we're all like oh or at least which is I why she like, won't oh, drop another album got it. <laughs> that's why she's not coming out with the albums even after all of the pressure it's because that's mm-hmm. i mean it may be a little bit stale for her career wise but then also yeah. Financially, there's just such more of an incentive to be where the money is. Yeah. Okay. So for the Kardashians, I don't, I am very much in the camp of like, I love reality TV. The trashier, the better. However, the Kardashians are the one show that I simply cannot even sit through. Like, I've tried. I tried to watch the new Hulu series. Um, I like, I have the mega iMac computer. So when, I'm working and I'm like just doing kind of like admin stuff. I'll put on like in a small screen in the corner, a show and one preferably that I don't like have to really pay attention to. And so I was like, Oh, I'll throw the Kardashians on. Like this will be fun. I literally even as background noise, I could not sit through this. And I think that's where Sophia and I differ because Sophia, you can tolerate it. Like you enjoy watching it for what it is. Right. I'll I'll hop into a season here and there, and I've seen a lot of the Kardashian shows over the years. But my thing with it is like you can't just pick up the Hulu series and be like, okay, like I'm gonna start with the Kardashians in 2022. Like if you weren't like if you weren't on the ground with the first season or the second or third, at least like you, okay, but I you know don't even everything. Understand what this show is like, like no, but I know everything show. that's happening. Though. No, that's you don't. That's the difference. Because, no, you don't. Because if you are watching like weekly uh, over the course of like ten years, you feel a certain way about this show that cannot be explained by like, okay, I read a few articles, I saw like what this is about, I've seen some clips, I've watched a few episodes here and there. Like this isn't like its own culture. So like right. you have to un- you stuff that looks insane is like oh yeah that's like a normal thing that happens on this show so like for for people that are like part of that culture which I guess now I'm forced to say I am a part of that culture (laughs) so I don't really feel like I don't feel like I'm like at the front lines but I think that there is like a warmth and comfort and nostalgia even to to being with them that I understand yeah 
It's kind of like when you love a movie when you were like growing up and then you have someone else watch it as an adult when it's like 15 years old and they're like, yeah, yeah you're like, you're like looking over at them to see if they're like think it's as good as you. And you're like, oh, actually, this is extremely dated and I should have just kept this whole thing to myself. Right. And you don't want to stand by it, but you also don't want them to dog it. It's like, I right. can say that like maybe this didn't hold up, but like you don't, you don't get to say like, oh, this is horrible right I just was very cheesy right got it yeah I almost miss no no not almost I do miss the kind of cheesiness and like the hijinks that they used to do like they would genuinely be playing tricks on each other and stuff and my favorite episode I don't remember what season it was from but when Chris had these male enhancement pills and put them actually by accident in Rob's coffee and then sent him to the hospital like if I didn't you, see that if you haven't seen if you haven't seen Kardashians and need to watch one episode that is it because it's so funny or when they get a monkey as a pet like the girls when they were still literal children and and then Chris is going crazy like that kind of stuff is just funny and I think it was because it was about the family and the show, it wasn't about their personal lives. And I think that now the expectations have changed because mm. we've known so much about their personal lives for an entire generation now Right, where it's like we expect them to take responsibility for the amount of power and privilege and everything that they have. Mm. But like they just – that's not literally who they are. So we expect them to be like, hey, haven't you negatively impacted – the beauty standard or yeah. the thin ideal or like mm-hmm. everyone even when you see tiktok videos now of people doing their makeup in 2016 and you see them put on eyebrows yeah. that are this thick with giant pencil it's like that was all inspired by them but what are they appropriating or what kind of ideals yeah. that we even found toxic five years ago were they perpetuating which in the grand scheme of things five years ago was not that long ago And so I think that's kind of where I have trouble reconciling where on one hand, it's like, dude, they're a business. They're a business empire. So we kind of – we don't treat them like a business though. We still treat them like they're humans and hold them to these ideals whereas I'm just like – I don't even give them that much credit to do the quote right thing. Because they have the power, mm-hmm. they have the money, they have the position to make a positive impact on the world, and they don't in a lot of ways. I, th- I think there's two camps, and I think there's the camp of people, and this goes back to pretty much everything we've been talking about today, which is like, haven't we evolved past knowing certain things or believing certain things? And there's still, and maybe it's because in marketing, you have to be super tapped in and you have to see things. Like I'll talk to people and they like don't even know about an algorithm. Like they don't even know anything about, and I'm not saying the inner workings, but like they're not even understanding that like, no, TikTok records what you like and what you view the most. And then they show you more of that. Like we take for granted that there are people that just don't, know that or understand that that's what's happening in technology. And the same goes for the Kardashians. There's the camp of people who understand these people are a business. Everything that they say, everything that they do has a dollar sign somewhere down the road. And then there's the camp of people who literally think that like Kendall Jenner really doesn't know how to slice a cucumber. 
and would do it like this. Like people think they're like, oh my God, they're, you know, whatever. It's so silly. And it's like everything they do, or at least when I watch it, I know that anything that goes viral, I'm like, that was planned. There's not, they're too smart and they have too many smart people behind them for everything that they do not to be planned, whether it's good or bad publicity, they just want it. And that's how they've been able to own the pop culture sphere for the last decade plus. Yeah. But what's kind of interesting about that is that, um, I don't think they care. I mean, I think that we, what they've done is make us okay with contrivances and like understand like, yeah, okay, this, whatever he, she didn't really accidentally put that in his smoothie, but I don't really care because I'm laughing and I love these people or whatever the case. Like it's a really interesting thing for a study of like transparency or, you know, mm -hmm. cause they, I mean, even when it comes to like Kylie being caught, like, you know, caught a certain place or whatever, it's like, we, they know that we know that they called the paparazzi. Like it doesn't matter though, because like that they've, whatever they've created has been so like, you know, magnetic and people are still loving it. Like, yeah, you were mentioning the hijinks stuff, Nicole, like that is that, that was that, some of the best stuff that happened on that show is not based on the reality, but it's like literally contrivances they put together to like make people laugh. And they were funny. And like, mm -hmm. you know, Scott Disick and Khloe Kardashian get together and they're like basically pranking Chris. And like, that's the stuff that people show up for. It's like, it makes us happy or it gives us the inside inside track on something that happened in the, pu in the public eye on whatever, whatever mm -hmm. time. I don't know that it's, I don't even, I mean, I would argue that it's not even fair to ask them to be um, like role models or like to like worry about, I have a very like contra controversial opinion on, on that stuff in general. So I, I personally feel like we know what we know what we're looking at. We know what it is. And yeah, maybe there are some people who don't. And like, yeah, I guess that, that I, I would argue there's the majority of people that don't. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. right. Because they're and, and I totally agree with you for the most part where it's like, yeah, we shouldn't hold celebrities like Nicki Minaj. If Nicki Minaj is your daughter's idol, that's your problem. Like that's not Nicki Minaj's problem. I totally stand behind that. But at the same time, I think it goes back to the average person not being able to decipher what they're seeing online. And you can make the argument is like, yeah, is that up to Kylie Jenner to carry that on her shoulders? But I think even back to the conversation of like, yeah, looking at people on Instagram and there are, you know, girls who look at these and think, oh, wow, Kylie Jenner is so gorgeous. And I wish I could look like that one day. And then they don't understand that there's Photoshop, Facetune, plastic surgery, all these things. And they think that, oh, that's just all natural. And I think that's where, again, is it up to Kylie Jenner to hold up those standards and come out and be honest? No, but maybe it is like a disclaimer on Instagram where it's like, the, and this is very you know extreme, but like the photo you're seeing has been altered or whatever. To me, that's just the line because we take for granted that there are so many people young and old. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen this trend on like TikTok where girls were sh will show their boyfriend, like a photo and they're like, is she wearing any makeup? And then yes. the guy's like, no, he's, she's not. And then you're like, no, she's wearing tons of makeup and there's filters and whatever else. It's like, yeah, because they don't know. A lot of people don't know, but I'm yet so it's changing our reality. 
I agree. I'm so curious to hear what you guys think about like TikTok filters on TikTok because obviously it's mm-hmm. now like basically augmented reality filters. Like mm-hmm. things are, you know, you've seen like the fake Tom Cruise TikTok, like the deep fakes, the deep fakes, but then mm-hmm. also like just on a level of people just, I mean, it's so normal to have a filter just set on there that like does that quick face tune. Like what mm-hmm. is that? What are the implications of that? Like, when I see those things switch on and off, first of all, they're incredibly impressive to me. The tech like that that's right. able to, to render those filters so naturally. Um, but what do you think of the implications of, of, of these, tick, specifically these TikTok filters? Yeah, it's really interesting because I had to do a lot of work around my own media literacy. And that's really mm. what this comes down to is that especially just, you know, having been someone who you know, when they were a late teenager, really had self-esteem issues tied up in body image and Mm -hmm. eating disorders and not being able to decipher what was real from what wasn't in a totally, I mean, we had social media at the time, but absolutely not in the same way. So pre-social media as we know it now. Right. So it's like I, media literacy was my way of making sense of what's out there and coming to the realization that every insecurity, especially for women in this particular sense, like someone is always profiting off of your insecurity. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> There's always money to be made whenever mm-hmm. you feel like you have to change something about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, I mean, I'm a very optimistic person that doesn't sound like an optimistic thing to say. However, it is reality. And that was the first catalyst of me being able to recover and to think a different way about myself and about my place in the world and what how I feel about myself when I see what is reflected out there. This was right before the time where airy real campaigns came out and now we're like oh wow okay big deal they didn't airbrush it it's like no that was the biggest deal ever there was no marketing campaign ever like that before and now it's really interesting that this is the reoccurring theme of this episode that you think that because we supposedly know better we do better but Mm -hmm. clearly we don't because it's like we get tested in life, but in the terms of media literacy as well, with the same problem until we do something different and we're mm-hmm. not doing something different. It's just the problem takes on a different form because systemically nothing has changed. And yep. so to now, I remember having a conversation with a friend a few years ago and her saying, wow, did you see the picture of so-and-so? They look so gorgeous, whatever. It's like a celebrity. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know that there's filters and Facetune on that, right? And she was like, wait, wait, not right. What do you mean? And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Because to me, having really been like, okay, I'm examining what I see. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing it's not Right, and being able to question and then form your own opinions about it. And to be honest with filters, I found that for my own – mental health and sanity. I don't like being on social media on my personal time. If I'm mm-hmm. on social media, it is for to support the nostalgia ecosystem. And if I ever go on, I, I've been like this maybe for at least a few months now where if I do show my face on stories, I don't use a filter. If I mm-hmm. put a photo on my 
main feed, I don't use a filter. And I think now that's more accepted because of TikTok. But right. it's like, yeah, I don't want to put on a skin smoothing filter or it's like if you see me in person, like my skin's not perfect every day. Mm-hmm. My hair is not perfect every day. And it's like, so who cares? And I think that that's obviously I can only say that because I have the awareness around it. Right. Because otherwise saying who cares is a really um, a way of kind of like simple oversimplifying it yeah. too much because it is tricky. You can't say, hey, Kardashians, be responsible for changing the way that people feel about themselves when Khloe Kardashian is the most insecure person publicly about her Mm -hmm. body and about how she feels being compared to her sisters and the names that people have called her and the way people have stereotyped her as a member of her family. She suffers from it as much as, if not more than all of us do, because she's under a magnifying glass constantly. So I think that's a really, really interesting point as well. And I I think, I forgot who said this, but I think it might have been like Robert Kiyowski or the guy who wrote uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I forgot his name. Um, but he basically said like the new, pretty much now in this modern age, everyone can read. So really what we have to work on is financial literacy. And now I feel like even more, it's actually media literacy because we are so tapped in to where if, and that's why we see so many issues in not only the United States, but across the world is people are not media literate at all. They don't know how to decipher a good source or a real source or anything. Um, and all of that goes down to being able to understand and, and comprehend the technology and what it's capable of, whether it's a deep fake or whether it's a fake article or whether it's a totally photoshopped photo, you have to, even if you don't, of course you don't have to understand how the technology is made. You need to know what exists so you can understand is what I'm looking at real and, and almost go through like a scientific method of vetting what you're intaking. And people don't look at the media, their media conception as something that they need to vet like you would if you go to the grocery store and look at the ingredients in something. We just consume, consume, consume. And then you see all of these issues and people, the overconsumption. It's like, yeah, because you're not even realizing, back to what we started this whole conversation with, you're not even realizing that when you're just watching someone's TikToks, that they're, it's a covert sales pitch. And we could do a whole other podcast on the fact that so many people are not disclosing that they their TikTok videos are ads. And I think that that is just like, you know, the wild, wild west of TikTok right now where like the FCC or whoever monitors it hasn't cracked down quite yet like they did on Instagram. But I see so many videos. Okay, the Lizzo, like has anyone noticed the new Lizzo song, how it was like, yes, it's a catchy song, but it just took over TikTok. And when I watch some of those TikToks, I'm like, this was a paid, these are paid campaigns. Like there's no way with some of these TikToks that it's not a paid campaign, um, but none of it is disclosed. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah, as you said, like as a new platform pops up, new rules have to be, I mean, the whole, yeah. the whole Facebook uh, trial, I mean, you just have to, mm-hmm. um, it has to be navigated. And so this is a time when marketers um, and advertisers like really have a free for all. And yep. so I would, I wouldn't be surprised that like so much is going on there that we don't know about yep. um, because, you know, smart marketers know, know that this is the time, this is the era. Not only mm-hmm. is it like com- having its complete um, wave takeover of the world, but um, there aren't any rules yet. So, yeah, and that's really interesting. Um, I, I think, you know, it's tough because I don't think that education that you're talking about, guys, like um, most people really aren't going to undertake that, A, because yeah. people don't people don't read. So that's I mean, we like- still can't get people to care about global warming as like, the whole Southwest is in a drought. So it's like, I don't think we're going to. That's harder to get people to care about. This would be easier because it's kind of pertains to their lives a little bit like more directly, which right. I think is oftentimes what keeps people from the global warming thing. Of course, um, yeah. But even then, um, no, I, people aren't really that interested. To me, it seems that people aren't really that interested in unpacking the ways that they're being brainwashed. I mean, like, I know it's and easier I, and to I just go that. along with it. Right. Mm. And I understand that because it's like, it's what, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a chore, you know, mm, like yeah. they're kind of, and people are just, I don't, don't seem that to me that interested in, in doing that. So this like mm-hmm. media literacy thing ended up being really important in the election recently, as we all saw. Um, but I don't know that that education, if it, if it has to be a self-education, I don't know that that's going to, you know, that that is going to, you know, sort of shift into the majority of the population. Um, yeah. I don't know what the then answer is, but... Then we have to is, but... leave it to the tech companies or the government or someone to... And, and I guess you see that on Twitter where it's like, I, I noticed it a lot when COVID started, where it was like, if you mention COVID in a tweet or a YouTube post or whatever, the little disclaimer would pop up. And it would say, like, you know, if you want real COVID guidelines or whatever, go to cdc.org or whatever. Um, But, yeah, it sounds like we're just um, doomed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think something interesting that happened, too, on TikTok in the music industry was when Halsey complained that her label wanted her to have a viral moment. But then the viral moment ended up being her complaining about her label telling her to have a viral moment. And like the same thing happened with Charlie XCX and Doja Cat and all these people. And now it's like, okay, I've been on TikTok now for what, two and a half years. And mm-hmm. now even TikTok is mm-hmm. a, feeling a little bit stale to me because that feeling of constantly knowing that you are being sold to. And mm-hmm. I, I personally feel like at least Instagram influencer 1.0 era is over but I mean what does the culture look like now like how do you have fun how do you engage with tastemakers or influencers in a way that doesn't feel gross or annoying now like what what does that look like to you guys currently I mean I will say that mostly for for Butterland we try and steer pretty clear of influencer stuff period because we're working with a lot of tech startups and th- the money is it's that money is so valuable to go other places because in the influencer space it i feel like as soon as influencer became a job it was already the the hill was already it was already going down because 
now to your point, Nick, like on TikTok, as soon as you start seeing those videos that are like, if you want to go viral, use this sound. It's seven seconds and da 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 da. It's like, it's like meta. It's like, I'm on this app watching videos about how to become famous on this app. It's just like never ending. And as soon as we get into that cycle, we're going to slowly start seeing TikTok is also going to, you know, it might happen in a few years, whatever. It's also going to fall to the, the social media graveyard because no one wants to be sold to, which is why these marketers are going around the back door to do it. Um, but for influencers, I think that Going back to media literacy, I think that people are a little too savvy now to just be sold to blindly. And there are some really great influencers who still have that authentic touch, but how big can they get? That's always the thing with influencers is you can't get too big because once you get to a certain point, you have to take on more of the brand deals. And it does feel like more of a sales pitch. And then your audience starts going, okay, well, you're not really making content for me anymore. And this happens across YouTube, which is like my absolute favorite platform all of the time where people are like, why doesn't she upload anymore? Like she never uploads. And it's like, well, because she has $10 million in the bank now and doesn't need to upload anymore. And you're not getting any more content. And then the channel kind of falls off. So what is, I think another question is like, what's the life cycle of an influencer? Like, are we going to see influencers that, you know, since we've all seen the beginning of social media and the influencer world, where does it end? Are you able to just con continuously be an influencer for however long? Or does influencer always turn into like, now I do TV shows or now I started my own marketing company or whatever? Like, what does that look like? Because we are only in the first decade or so of the influencers. Yeah, I think it's going to go a few different ways. And just from my perspective personally, the way that I was able to get over all of the those icky feelings that people have about social media and mostly Instagram with whether mm. it is comparing yourself to other people or feeling like you're burned out because you have to constantly churn out content or Instagram changes its algorithm and you're mm. like, wait, what's going on? Where's my engagement? Or in some cases, income sources for influencers dry up and it's totally out of their control. I mean, the way that I was able to finally stop caring about social media is because of starting to be interested in and building and working in Web3. And so mm. I think that because my head's already in the next iteration of the internet, it has allowed me to detach from social media in a way that again, just like setting boundaries with scrolling or being on your feed or being on mm -hmm. your phone that now I can maintain that allows me to be like, wow, technology excites me again and right. connecting with people excites me again. And so I think that that will be one of the prongs where people will move forward and the hierarchy will flatten. So it's not so much about, oh, we all look up to an influencer. It's like, no, I own my content. You own your content. You want my content, pay for it. I want mm -hmm. your content. I'm going to pay you for your content and we're going to compensate each other. And that's the way it goes. So I think that that could be one avenue where there's a little bit more of a mutual benefit um, and just a sense of ownership as well. I think another way could be, right, that celebrity pipeline where it's like now you mm -hmm. have your own TV show or you are cast on 
Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Right. And then I think another avenue that we're going to see is that that true Instagram 1.0 era influencer is going to drop off because they are mid-aged millennials. What are they doing? They're having families. They're Mm going to remove themselves from YouTube, from the spotlight, and they're going to be like, I made my money. I did what I had to do. Now I'm going to focus on raising my family. And Unless their family mo- – like mom Unless their family is their yeah. – uh, Which is a whole family. other woo, segment. Or, okay, right. Or so then that's another prong. It's like or you become a family influencer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then – And then like, your kids start influencing as well. Right, because it's like member – we awesome. had okay. We had um, we had fashion influencers or interior design influencers or whatever, and then they all started blogging and posting about their weddings, and then yeah. they all started posting and about their kids. Everybody was a lifestyle influencer, yeah, right. And it's like these iterations, and so I think it's going to be interesting seeing what, just to put it in the clearest terms, aging millennials are going to do as the first generation of full-time influencers. Yeah. What that next iteration of influence is going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that as saturated as the space once was, it is going to filter out with people who can't keep up with the, with the, you know, the, the need for the audience's constant consumption of the content. I think right. that, um, the creators need just for their own peace of mind and sanity yeah. um, mm-hmm. that that need to take care of their mental health at some point, I think may eclipse or outpace the desire for the that dopamine rush that they were so used to getting before. Especially the when constant. the dopamine rush goes away. Mm-hmm. If you're starting to see a downtick in your engagement, that's not very uh, – inspiring to continue to go on as sad as as sad as that sounds so I've even noticed a lot of Instagram influencers that I had known before um I'll look at their content today and they're they're following and I'm talking about people who have like 300,000 plus followers and it's like dwindling because you won't go to TikTok and your account can only be what it is on Instagram. Like there's really no more room to grow. If you've already made, if you made it to 300,000 by, you know, whatever, we'll call it 2018, 2019, there's the, the, the people just aren't there. There's too much content to compete with. And there's too many other places. There's Twitch. There's, I mean, what was that one where everyone was doing like the little mini podcasts and you had to get an invite? What was that? app clubhouse Clubhouse. that lasted like two weeks but there's too many places for people's attention to go and they're not going back to instagram because it doesn't it just doesn't as creepy as it sounds it doesn't know you the same way as a lot of these other platforms do it just again it's almost like once you see the wizard you can't unsee it and so once people saw that the fire fests the all these types of things that it was all just a charade it's like yeah i can't unsee it now and now we're going to move on to the new thing where people are real, even though it might be fake too. People are real and authentic and da 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 on TikTok. Then that's what the new thing is until someone shows the wizard on TikTok. Well yeah. said. 
Thanks. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Those were awesome points. I want to thank you guys so much for being here with me today. I, I could literally talk to you guys all day. And Likewise. Love you. Yeah, love this you. was awesome. I can't wait to hear. Can't. Uh, hopefully, you'll invite us back because we need to talk about the um, the family YouTubers. That's like a three-hour session. That is a whole deep dive. (laughs) We should actually make like a mini YouTube documentary about it together, produce it. Yeah. I mean, that's also a genre of YouTube videos where people go into these pop culture deep dives and there will be videos that are five hours, eight hours long. And people will comment, oh, I just had this in the background while I was studying for finals. I'm like, (laughs) brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Wilds, this is the world we live in. But thanks again, guys. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening too. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.